this I think is one of the best fields to be in for women today. I want so many women to go into security because it's mind boggling the opportunities that await women. I'm Steve Moore, and today I speak with Olivia Rose, CISO at MailChimp. Olivia and I talk about her start in marketing, how I think this might actually be a secret weapon for her, how that path ultimately led her to becoming a CISO, the challenges she faced and continues to face, as well as the opportunities that exist for women in cybersecurity. In an industry grossly underrepresented by women, how do you overcome the existing barriers of entry and take up the role of CISO? Cybersecurity is a male-dominated field and oftentimes an unforgiving environment in which to work. What are the challenges women in security face that need to be addressed? And how do these translate into unexplored and often overlooked opportunities? Olivia, uh, thank you for joining us on the show. For the listener, maybe you could uh, explain a little bit of who you are and, and what you do. Absolutely. And thank you for having me on your podcast. Well, my name is Olivia Rose. I have been in security and I've never wanted to do anything else for about 17 years. I started off in marketing. I then transitioned into consulting and advisory for about 16 years. And that gave me a lot of visibility into different environments, working with different kinds of people, and how to adapt messaging to different audiences so it has its full impact. And finally, this year, I thought it would be interesting to go on the inside. And uh, very quickly, I landed at MailChimp, and I am their CISO, and it's, uh, it's been a really exciting journey. Awesome. No, uh, I you, you covered a lot there, and there's lots of little things I want to kind of jump into. The first is starting off actually in marketing, which I think uh, some people may be a little confused at on the security side. I personally think it's kind of a secret weapon. I think that many security programs don't market themselves well enough. Would you agree to that? And, and what's something that maybe marketing the time you spent there uh, taught you and, and maybe made you better at in your later positions? Marketing is all about getting a certain message to truly hit home and resonate with the recipient or your target audience. And having that fully inbred in my consciousness, that made me transition easily into consulting. Because consulting is all about trying to find a solution to someone's issues and build upon that and enhance their security posture. With my marketing background, it helped me to very easily define what their problem is, what their inherent issues are, and then tailor the message and tailor the approach to meeting what their needs are. So I know I didn't have a very typical entry into security manage, management and leadership, but I really appreciate the journey that I took. No, I, I think it's fantastic. I, I truly do. Uh, I, I really think it's kind of a secret weapon angle to kind of bring in because of the, the reasons I mentioned earlier. I mean, going on and becoming a CISO, you now I'm sure have a chance and in your prior role had a chance to meet many 
peers that are also CISOs, do you think in general, thematically, that they market themselves well or market their programs well or unwell? Does the CISO market themselves well, do you mean? Yes, the CISO or by extension, their program, meaning do you think they have a clear message of kind of who they are and and do you think their messaging hits home more often than not? Or do you think that maybe some marketing experience could help them? Wow, that is a loaded question. (laughs) There's so many factors to it. It depends. They seem to be two types of CISOs. One is technical and the other one is more GRC and holistic. And companies seem to be looking for one or the other. It's incredibly difficult to find someone who has both approaches because it means using both sides of their brain. And that, that's a very difficult kind of person to encounter. So it depends on several factors as to whether the CISO is marketing themselves correctly, because it could be completely out of their control in their organization. The, the company might think that they want somebody technical, but what they really need is someone who's more holistic, who will bring all the groups together on a shared path and vision for the security program. Then once you're inside the organization, there are several factors in play as well, such as who the CISO reports to, what the culture is, the size of the company. It's an interesting question. I think the marketing would certainly help CISOs self-reflect on the effectiveness of the impact they're having uh, in the organization. But there's so many different factors involved with whether the CISO is successful at communicating and presenting themselves within the company and performing their job effectively. It's certainly a tricky question. And it's it's not easy kind of on purpose. It's not meant to trip anyone up, but I, I personally believe that there's much to learn uh, when it comes to PR and marketing to adopting some of that, even proper communications, clarity and messaging, mm-hmm. personal and team branding, you know, imagery, very image motivated and, and, and driven, even in, in big, you know, sort of stodgy megacorps, you know, to have a, a team logo, to have uh, consistency amongst communication and all. I, I think that many technical people maybe don't prioritize that. And I think that if you work on it, your team can be not only better understood, more well known. And I think that the goals and objectives of the program can be that much more clear to uh, sometimes an uneducated workforce. I'm going to continue to come back at this a couple of times, I think. But one of the other things I wanted to ask you is with this kind of very diverse career, what advice would you have for your younger self, for <laughs> the person starting off maybe in that marketing or that consulting role? And I, I ask this, I think most of the show listeners know at this point, for those that don't have a mentor, for those that didn't you know, have that advice, uh, often you kind of have to be your own. And, and it's the failures and the challenges we've had earlier in our career that are sometimes our best teachers. And so for a guest such as yourself and, and, and all guests, I, I really like to explore that, to kind of share that wisdom for the newer listener. Yeah, I, I love this question because I love to look back and think, how could I have done it differently? And I don't think I could have. Uh, <laughs> but what I, just knowing my personality, but I would like to go back and give my younger self the suggestion that to take it easier, to enjoy the ride a little more, 
as I was coming up in the security industry, being female, there weren't many other women for me to connect with, or I never had a mentor or anything like that. So I had to toughen up and learn to let things slide off my back and also play like the men did in my field uh, and adapt certain mannerisms and, and types of working and so on. And that wasn't so fun all the time. I mean, looking back, I, I think I would have just, I would have liked to have just enjoyed the ride a little more, not have focused so hard on fitting in that it's okay to be different, that it's all going to work out okay. And to emphasize more traits that I was good at, uh, just being organized and being able to multitask well and good communication skills and so on, instead of downgrading them more. Because now, today, I focus a lot more on those. I, I focus much more on communication and partnership and relation building skills that I do my technical skills at this point. Because in this role as a CISO, you cannot get anything accomplished unless you are able to form solid relationships with people and, and build trust. Yeah. So in a nutshell, I would go back and just say, you know, don't be so hard on yourself, you know, emphasize the positive and go where your strengths are more than feeling you need to change to fit in. You said so much there. The first thing is you made a statement and I'm not necessarily in a position to disagree. In fact, I, I'm going to agree, but you said at the time there wasn't uh, enough or wasn't many females in InfoSec, especially in leadership. And I would argue while that was true then, it's still true now. Uh, mm -hmm. We're in a situation where if you are looking for a mentor and you are female, you are going to have a tough time because there's yeah. just for them to kind of talk to and to cover these issues. And you you lightly covered them, and we may or may not, frankly, have the the time or 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 maybe even the comfort level to discuss all of them. <laughs> um, you talked about some very real and some very heavy things, which are very important to me personally, and and I think apply uh, that many people struggle with. So you mentioned even adopting mannerisms and behaving, you know, more like like the men did in in certain circumstances. Can you talk a little bit about that? Are you, are you comfortable chatting a little bit about what that was like and what, what you had to adopt or adapt uh, in your, kind of your cadence or your career at that point in time? Well, if you look at communication and how you carry yourself. So nine times out of 10, every meeting you're in, it's all men. And you're the sole woman. If you... Do not adapt to the, because I'm generalizing here, of course, but the typical male communication flow, such as men, again, I'm generalizing, men tend to be more direct, more blunt, more factual in a way, and they view each other differently. They have different types of relationships with each other than they would with a woman. So you have to, if you're at a meeting with, 10 men sitting around a table, as a female, you have to make sure you're sitting at that table, that you have all your facts, that you know what you're talking about, that you are very direct, that you are brief. There's a different listening style in a way. There's a different response style. And it's sad, but then men are more likely to listen to you in that case. 
if you show up to a meeting of 10 men and you don't speak bluntly or, or quickly or to the point or with facts, men may dismiss you. It's just a fact of life. I mean, and, and the opposite yeah. is true as well. That if you are a male in a mostly female industry, like magazine publishing, for example, the men have to adapt to the majority's way of communication. Interesting. Interesting. That's I have no experience in that in publishing in that in that situation. But the the, the machine that is InfoSec and often consulting puts has put me personally in a spot where it's predominantly men. So I'm in that yeah. in that in that role. But your advice today is extremely good. And I, I think what I love most about it is it doesn't get discussed maybe enough. It, it, or if it does, maybe not in a way that's widely consumable. So this is fascinating to me um, that we can sort of share this in a way that's, that's reusable for the, for the listener. I was going to give you another example, business cards. So some people feel strongly about certifications. They think they don't, they're not necessary. As a female in this industry, my opinion is certifications help you show that you know your stuff. So I have, oh gosh, seven, eight, nine, 10, I've lost count of these security certifications. And I've always made sure that they're printed on my business cards. And whenever I got to a meeting or met somebody, a new customers or someone, I would always hand over the business card because then it would set the expectation in their minds that I was knowledgeable about whatever we were about to discuss. And it's interesting in that this is the first job in my entire career where, you know, day one, I'm filling out the business card request form. And I thought to myself, I'm not going to put any certifications on my business card. <laughs> Because you know what? If they doubt me, I'm in, and I'm in, a, in a position now where I've proven myself to get to this point. I don't need to prove myself so obviously anymore to people when I meet them. Right. And that's, that was such an amazing feeling that I couldn't tell you. I mean, even today, as I sit here talking to you, it's just that little thing of not feeling like I have to just continually try to prove myself anymore. It's, it's such a nice feeling to have. So again, this is, we could talk about this all day. I, we truthfully, this could be a, well, so for those listening, <laughs> for those listening, a couple of things, first off, this is not what we planned on discussing uh, on the show. We'll get to that <laughs> later, not, no. but this is, this is a phenomenal topic. Second, <laughs> we're working on some other non-podcast uh, material. For those interested in leadership. And I think this is certainly a chapter in that book for sure. So what, what would you, so kind of going back to a tactical question, would you today, if, if there's a, a female who's interested in InfoSec and maybe either a career change or she just knew, would you recommend certification as a way to kind of, you know, bulk up, if you will, uh, the business card and, and the career for that, to retain uh, that, that seriousness or that respect? Uh, do you think that's still a good move? Yeah, absolutely. But it's one half of the, of the equation. And I mentor a lot of women in this field because I did, again, as I said earlier, I didn't have a mentor. So I do spend quite a bit of time mentoring other women. And I always say to them, it's unfortunate 
but you have to get certifications. Most people in security need to get them, like the CISSP or this certain other ones. But I think it's especially important for women nowadays to get them because it does shorten that window where uh, they have to prove themselves initially. However, on the flip side, just because you have a certification doesn't mean you know what you're doing. A lot of them are just paper-based. We all know that. Just because you have a certain certification doesn't mean you know what you're talking about. So you have to know your stuff. Right. Don't show up. Don't ever show up to a meeting or a client site without having done your homework and being prepared. Because this is just from my experience of talking to other women in, in this field. When women are unprepared or don't know the answer to something or are, are incorrect, it's viewed much more harshly than if a man was the same. Sure. Yeah. So you have to work a little harder. However, this, I think, is one of the best fields to be in for women today. I want so many women to go into security because it's mind-boggling the opportunities that await women. Yes, let's focus on that for a second. So you you believe that information security today, despite this sort of inequality where it's put on predominantly old white guys, right? <laughs> despite that, you believe that this is the place to go. So if you are a young professional and you're thinking about what do I do? You know, maybe I'm a, a technical person, maybe I'm an auditor, maybe I'm a, a consultant. You're saying uh, jump in. Why? You mentioned opportunity, but we know there's opportunity. What beyond that? Because it's fairly simple to learn the technical skills. And there's a lot of people who are really good at those technical skills, such as encryption or penetration testing and so on. The common visual that comes up whenever somebody talks about security is some guy in a hoodie sitting in a basement and there's some green light <laughs> showing, you know, and that's not it at all. The opportunities for women in security nowadays, I think it was different 10 years ago, but nowadays have ballooned. They've just exploded because now people see the value of governance, risk, and compliance. They see the value of communication, working together, being able to build strategy and uh, viewing programs and environments holistically. And just because you're not a technical person, doesn't mean that you should stop yourself from going into security. I mean, in my case, I was in marketing. I was in marketing, marketing for a security company back in the day, but I didn't know anything. And I learned it. And to this day, I'm not a technical person. I can't even figure out how to plug in my DVR. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, I'm not technical at all. However, I know enough to be dangerous across all areas of security. And I know how to fit all the pieces together. And I know how to uh, holistically view things. And I know how to work with people so people can understand how things fit together. And I also know enough to identify that if something's in a pen test report, that it's a bad thing. It, it, you know, why it's bad. It's a critical right. finding. So women need to understand there is so much opportunity on the non-technical side that women, women's skills are so desperately needed. And the more women we have in this field, the more even we become numbered right. and the stronger we get. Well, I mean, I think that, that it's, 
yes, I think we need to collectively become more aware of what are we good at, A, what do we dislike, and then what are we sort of disinterested in? And it's it's interesting if you take kind of the archetype of um, many people in InfoSec, it's you know, they have their strengths, but many times they're not comfortable talking about their weaknesses and their weaknesses. Mm -hmm. I see, frankly, there's many sort of unfriendly security programs, just as if, if the security program had a personality, it would be unfriendly. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't communicate. Well, it would be difficult to understand. Yeah. You know, it's often easier to get a million dollars than it is to get cooperation across a company to do something. (laughs) That's true. So the idea out of that maybe is if there is a talent pool of people who are often, not in all cases, but I don't want to generalize, but mm-hmm. in many cases are collaborative, you know, good communicators, right? These in, in people that maybe are not technical, they could be. So part of this is, is gender. Part of this is where there's available talent pool. There's a great union there that I think good programs will adopt and say, hey, this is something that I'm, if you're sort of, you know, Maybe I'm not old white guy yet, but I'm almost old white guy. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm not good. I'm not as good at this other stuff. I need to find people who are. Yeah. And so in this example that you gave, you being that person, that's a, a great and necessary additive. Someone who's enthusiastic about communicating well and is self-aware to know that they need to self-adapt and probably need to reshuffle the program too. So it's, I think back, I mentioned this before in other shows where I think when I had six people and went to seven in my last post and ultimately had like 60 all in, uh, was a, a brilliant uh, young woman who was in charge of our communications. So instead of hiring a technician, and which I needed, what I needed more was somebody who could give standards around communication and was a likable and friendly person and was willing to learn. And that really was like adrenaline for the program. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Most people didn't understand it. They didn't, why is Steve not hiring a technician? When in fact, I knew that that's the kind of person that I needed in order to grow, which is exactly what we're talking about today. Yeah, uh, the same exactly. type of that, that it, if a human were an ingredient in a recipe, that's the kind of thing that, that was brought in. And that's exactly what you're referencing here. Yeah. Somebody needs to be that translation layer between technical folks and executive folks. Very different audiences, very different thinking uh, thoughts and, and pressures and executives are much more strategic. They're less technical. They like to see in the future. They like to see things as a whole. Technical folks are more detailed, obviously more technical, less strategic, right. uh, more tactical and so on. So if you're able to translate between those layers, you are very much needed in the security field today. So if you, you say you do a fair amount of mentorship for the listener, and maybe even more for the men listening than the female listener. What are the kinds of things that impede sort of the diversity that, you know, you're giving advice to these young women to or women in general to say, Hey, this is what I think you should do. But is there a message for the male listener in general to say, Hey, you've got a team, you know, there's, there's 40 men and, you know, three women, like, take a second to think about how their day is. Like, what would that message be if you could, you know, kindly kind of coach the male listener on something, on one of two things? What, can you share something there? Yes. It, it's interesting because you have all types of gender bias, right? And a lot of it is unintentional. And, you know, but it goes both ways. Men and women do it to each other. 
But in this situation, you know, men don't realize they're doing it, such as interrupting the woman when she's talking or repeating what she's her ideas or going to lunch or going golfing together and just, you know, not inviting her. And mm-hmm. a lot of information is discussed on golf outings. And an easy way, just an easy thing you can put into place now is uh, I have two kids and they're young kids. And when they're sick, they want mom. And when they come home from school, they want mom. So it's very difficult for me, for example, to make happy hours or dinners or, uh, you know, go out, you know, for a few drinks because I got to get up early the next morning. I'm just understanding that not scheduling late meetings late in the day, such as four o'clock. Right. Just being cognizant that women who have children, for example, they have different life pressures. Right. And being open to that, maybe not scheduling very early meetings and late meetings. If you are going golfing, that's fine. But take care not to discuss anything that the woman would miss, the women right. on your team would miss out hearing. Or lunches. Lunches are a great idea if you do lunches or coffee breaks, things like that. Let me let me throw this out there. What if you kind of hit it even before there's an illness and say, hey, look, I want to get take, you know, kind of get your thoughts on this. So a, a male manager, director, whatever, and you say, hey, I don't know, I'm not exactly sure all your home life, but if there's ever a case when you have, you know, sick family, and I know you probably need to be home for that or would like to be, you know, let I want to let you know that that's okay. And I'll do my best to reschedule or just let me know if that's the case. Like the point is to share the awareness before there's an issue and say, hey, mm-hmm. I understand and I'm I'm sympathetic and we will work around that. You know, if there's things at home that require your your attention, manage that first and we will bend schedules around to make it work rather than the person feeling guilty about leaving early or being judged or, you know, or maybe, you know, thinking, oh, someone's trying to skate out on work or whatever, like you preempted. What's your good, bad? Yeah, I love that idea. Yeah. I don't know. There's probably a, an ultra politically correct way to sort of phrase it because you wouldn't want to just say, hey, I know you have kids and the kids may get sick and whatever, but we all have home life. It, you know, I, I have a sick father and there's times when I had to leave and I, I had to proactively go and say, hey, he's ill. There's times I'm going to have to go and, and not participate in whatever. It's different from a gender perspective, but I think that the same type of message could be used for the male, male managers and, and just to say, hey, spend an extra couple minutes one-on-one and say, Hey, this is, you know, this is important because it's important to you. It's important to me. Your productivity matters, you know, but so does your happiness and the wellness of your family. So I don't know if you had any other thoughts or guidance around that for the men that are sort of stumbling around these things. Yeah, I would definitely say make it equal. So you're, you're absolutely right. Offered up to the men as well and don't make a big deal out of it. And so, I mean, my advice to men is, I think we've come to a point where men are fearful (laughs) of offending women. Right. So I think it's going to be a few years before everything becomes more casual again and and ironed out. I, I think just taking care not to interrupt. And then when she, when she's speaking or, and I'll give you an example. I was in a meeting 
and there were about 15 men and just myself. And I wrote the report for the past six months, previous six months. So I was the subject matter expert. And the president of the company kept skipping me and asking questions directly of my boss, who was a male. Now, of course, my boss can't help that. But my boss kept responding to the president when he didn't even know all the details. And when something like that occurs, it's just easy to say, oh, we should refer to so-and-so because she's the one who did all the work and the research. And and so when, when we walked out of that meeting, it it left such a bad taste in my mouth that even my own manager acted that way. Mm. So we did, we did talk about it and and it's difficult to have someone recognize unconscious bias. It truly, truly is because it can be seen as an attack on their character. So you have to be careful in how you bring it up to people. You feel cheapened. I mean, if you have done that work and then no one is respecting you enough to acknowledge that you're the one that produced that work product, not someone else. And sometimes there's still chain of command in a meeting where, you know, maybe the most senior person speaks to the other most senior person, but then, you know, there's a reason why you were there, you know, and it wasn't to clean up after it was because you created the report. And that's important for anyone listening. There's a, my observations from my prior life prompted me to write these rules of leadership. And one of them is, is Someone never works for you. You always work with them. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is, you know, train everyone to write well enough where you can forward their work and then you win twice. So it's not your work. You forward somebody else's work and then everyone sort of wins. And you, you list successes of others by name, especially if they're junior, you know, report up sort of through you. So I hear this happening. I think it happens more often to females than to men. And I also, and I'd like your take on this, a lot of times women are, are less likely to speak up and mm-hmm. sort of correct the error. Like they think, oh, I should just stay quiet and someone else will speak up and then no one mm-hmm. does. I mean, is that, mm-hmm. yeah. So that's, be, you know, be, be a little bold, right? <laughs> well, I always got into trouble for that because I have no problem speaking up. So <laughs> I made life a lot harder, I think, for myself because I always did. But I would say to other women, don't be afraid to speak up. Because you have every right to be there just as anyone else does. Without question. You know, I, I think there almost needs to be, you mentioned earlier that, that some men are sort of afraid of this topic for a variety of reasons now, but I see it, especially in InfoSec, it's almost uncharted water, meaning yes. I don't hear anyone talking about this, not in any format. And if it's getting discussed, maybe I'm in the wrong places, but I'm, I'm actively looking for this. So I don't think there's enough of a platform and it really gets down into just education. It's not about making anyone feel uncomfortable to say, okay, oh goodness, I've got to learn something, some other etiquette, but it's, it's really treating people the way they want, they would like to be treated, you know, be the mm-hmm. leader that you wish you had. Right. Right. Just treat everybody like a person. <laughs> right, right, right. We, we yeah. drifted from that. Yeah. So for those, for the listener, first off, Olivia has had no preparation for this. Uh, <laughs> one of these questions. Uh, she's been masterful in her responses. Uh, the topic that we were going to talk about, and I still want to, but I think that topic is good enough that we may actually, and I'm doing this on the fly, I don't know if I'm going to get approval for this, but might actually turn that into yet another show. 
because uh, not only is this an amazing topic on sort of the, the mistakes and inequalities and the opportunities uh, for a more diverse workforce, but we have something that I'll keep secret at this point. And I'm going to look over at our program manager, show manager, and, and see what we should do here. Because I, I think this has been a perfectly encapsulated show in and of itself. And if we can get more of our time, I think we'll have our yeah. back and talk about the other thing. Does that sound okay? I have a couple more things I'd like to say on this topic. So that would be okay. We're not done on the, yeah, no, we're not, okay. you're not I'm not letting you leave yet. I'll get a virtual thumbs up from, from G on this. Let's, let, let me go back to you. Let, let's cover the, what, what else do you have for us? Let's knock that out. Something that is actually very annoying to me <laughs> is this proliferation of women in security panels at events or women presentation tracks. Oh boy. Are you going to get yourself in trouble here? What, what, tell me what you think. <laughs> I absolutely, I actually refuse to participate in any more of them because it's women want to be treated like equals. If you call out a whole presentation track, you are calling attention to the problem. Whereas you could have fixed the problem just by putting those women in that women in security presentation track. Just if you had put into the regular agenda. In the regular, in the rest of the show, right. In, right. <laughs> right. You could have fixed yes. the whole problem. And this happened, I was speaking at an event a couple of years ago, and I'm, I've been around the block in security. I, I, you know, I know what I'm talking about. And I was put in this women track, and I actually didn't know until I got there. And it was, you know, I, I left there, and I just thought, you know, I, I have more experience than a lot of the other presenters in the regular tracks. And so you're cutting down the number of people who would want to come to my presentation anyway, because it's so strongly branded women in security. Sure. But they also apparently declined uh, presentation um, abstracts for men so they could get women into this women in security track. And there were some men who were upset about it. And I absolutely don't blame them. And looking at that, that just intensifies the problem. Yeah. I, so uh, something similar that I, um, there's a female CISO that I met on a, on a board years ago and she was kind of newer in her career. And we were chatting uh, kind of about how we ended up on this board and my jaw dropped when she shared her story and she was hesitant to share it, but it was just a couple of us speaking. And she said, Oh yeah, I got a phone call. And they said, well, we don't have any women on the board. So uh, we'd like to know if you'd like to be on the board. <laughs> now, you took something that is great, great experience, a good opportunity, and you just ruined it. Mm -hmm. And it was her take that it, it really deflated her. However, she stayed with it because she was eager to grow in her career. And she's like, you know what? Even though you just slapped me, I'm going to go ahead and do this. Like, I, I'm because I don't, she didn't believe they meant to do it, to say it that way of how it mm -hmm. felt to me. But she went ahead and, and hung in there because sort of the cred that you get then, you know, the experience. So she's like, even though you kicked me, I'm going to hang in there. But I, I found it amazing that that was sort of her introduction into this otherwise prestigious thing. I'm sure you have a hundred examples of that as well, mm -hmm. but yeah. I thought I'd share that for the listener that if you're inviting someone to a board for the listener and you're in charge of that at some point in your career, like don't pull that card, <laughs> you know, don't, <laughs> you know, and, and invite them nicely. And 
and congratulate them and, and welcome their perspectives, but don't be like, well, we needed one of you to tick off a box. And so, you know, here's the invite. That's a really shitty way of doing things. So I, it absolutely is. That happens all the time with me. So I'm very selective about where I go to present or, or what I'm asked to do to participate in something because I don't want to be seen as what wallpaper because I'm not, you know, I, I've put in my, my experience and I've got my tenure. It's just, it's, yeah, it's, it's not a fun feeling. I mean, when I joined MailChimp, funny enough, I heard this from another woman in security. So it's not just men doing it to women, women do it to women too that her boss actually was applying for this same job that I have. And she then found out that I was interviewing for it as well. Although I actually interviewed for it after they told him no. So I knew this, but she said that she had told him at the time, if a female candidate comes up, you're not going to get the job. Implying that I simply got this job because of my gender. Wow. Yeah. And you know, you can't let it deflate you. Just like this woman you met, you have to use your rarity as a positivity that you've got to use it for your own benefit. So in the case of that woman you met, she used it to her benefit. I definitely use the fact that I'm a female CISO and there's not that many of us to my benefit because why not? (laughs) I mean, if, if we're going to be treated a certain way and not fully accepted, I'm going to do it. Let's spin that a little bit. I mean, you you said, and, and I I think I agree. I, it's something I haven't heard before, but the whole sort of women in security track comment, and I see both sides, or at least I think I do, where what what's the counterpoint, or it, could the counterpoint be, well, you know what, if there's now 50 presentations from females in this in, in this conference when there would have been you know, maybe 10, like, or whatever. And and that's, and I know that's not right either, but let's just pretend those are the numbers. Mm-hmm. So now we've, we've carved out space. We've carved out rooms. We've carved out people focusing on making sure we're trying to make this a little more equal. And now there's this whole new co- cohort of qualified women that are now participating in this conference. At what point is, is there a point where that's still good? Like, is there a point in a, a point in, in 2019, 2020, or in someone's career where that's still okay, because you kind of need to get the chops and the experience to go present. And maybe you're not, maybe it's the top 100 speakers and maybe you were 101, but now they have this track and now you get to present. It may not be fair, but now you get the experience and now maybe you get the next one. Like, is there a counterpoint? Is, is there, could it be? Oh, absolutely. I, I was going to, I was going to say those women panels and those women in security tracks, they're great introductory um, grounds for women who are towards the beginning of their career. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. If, if a, if a conference has that kind of track, go for it, get your feet under you a little bit, get some confidence and practice, but then move towards the general track. And that's where you should aim to go because those women in security tracks, they're not going to go away. So leave the space for someone who is more up and coming than you are. So they can then get the experience. Now it is clear to me and that makes total sense. And I think that for the listener too, that may be in charge of, you know, either in charge of one of those tracks or somebody who's applying to speak, uh, which is generally always something really cool and a privilege. And, and and I, I personally enjoy that to say, Hey, know when your time is to sort of not have to play that card 
and put on the gloves and, and sort of compete, if you will, with the normal, with, with the larger pool, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Stand on your own. Right. Right. Makes sense. So what, so you had, you said you had a couple things. I think that was one, which is, which is a pretty big rock. What, what's, <laughs> what's the other one? I'm, I'm going to say something that's probably going to be a little argumentative, you know, to the listeners. I mean, they may not agree with me and that's completely fine. Okay. But to, to women I mentor, on one hand, I say, this is, in my opinion, truly the best career field you could ever be in. And the opportunities are endless. If you do the work and you put the time in and the sweat and, and you really focus, there's no limits to how far you can go in this industry because you are a minority in this industry. However, understand that because you are a minority in this industry and it's so heavily male-dominated, I mean, something like 90% of it is are men, and the higher you get in a company, those numbers go down very quickly in men's favor, where understand that it's not going to be an easy road because I have truly faced every type of harassment you could name. I mean, I don't even know. Purple harassment, whatever that is, I've faced it. (laughs) Now, I I say this with a caveat where I haven't exactly been uh, a shrinking wallflower. (laughs) So, uh, and I'm pretty vocal. So I, I probably brought some of it onto myself. I'll be completely honest. But for the most part, it's a rough road and you've got to have a spine of steel and you've got to understand that with great rewards that await you in this industry, industry, you are going to have to work harder. You're going to have to get very thick skin and not react to comments that are made to you or behind your back or from uh, folks who are men and women both who are insecure and truly want to take you down because they're insecure whether they realize it or not, it's going to happen. It's, it's not going to be easy. However, the higher you get, the easier it gets because your name starts getting out there right. and you tend to gather a lot of respect. So I say that to women, and, and I think women who are truly interested in getting into security tend to be the type of people who are very inquisitive and brave and strong-minded and curious. So it doesn't truly phase them that much. But I would caution that it's if you're getting into InfoSec, and I highly recommend that you do as a female, as it's probably pretty obvious, just be prepared that it's not going to be easy. However, you can leverage the fact that you are a minority to your advantage. Yeah, I, I think that's fantastic advice. Probably not advice that everyone necessarily wants to hear, right? It's yeah. effectively saying like, work twice as hard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, but, but the benefits are there. You know, I've got, we, we always close on, on one question. And, but before that, I want to thank you for this discussion. This is again, for the listener, this isn't, this is not what we planned on discussing. <laughs> this is the organic nature sometimes <laughs> of the show. And I think this is uh, sadly uncharted waters and we've had, have a guest here to help guide us through it. But so thank you so much uh, for your time today and, and for exploring this difficult set of topics and one that many people either won't or can't talk about uh, for, for either company reasons or personal reasons. So this is special and I, and I thank you for it. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure. I, I have one final. So in, by virtue of the name of the show, the new CISO, 
uh, we close on this. What does being a new CISO mean to you? Oh, the ability to lead and initiate change while passing down, uh, you know, the wisdom and the, I have the abilities now to help others grow and flourish. Yeah. And I, that means a lot to me because once you have the title CISO on your resume, it's simple. It's very similar to being a VP or, or executive. Where do you go from that point? Well, there's not really many places to go. So once you've reached that point, you start to turn around and go, how can I influence others who are up and coming behind me so they can learn from my mistakes because there are an awful lot of them, but also learn from my wins and I make their lives better and make them successful. You kind of lose the need to constantly propel yourself to the next step. Right. Yeah. And you lose that ego. I, I feel like I'm in a place where I feel rejuvenated because everything I've worked so hard for in my career is finally coming to fruition and I'm able to make change for other people and change their lives. And that means a lot to me. Yeah, no, that's, that's what it is. Change. When you have sort of made it and you're at that point, I think then it's how many other leaders can you create? Right. And there's a couple of people on my team that more than a couple, quite a few that in the past four and a half, five months, I have seen literally blossom. And I say that to them and, I, and I'm so proud of them. I'm like, do you notice that about yourself? And they're so, and the way that their eyes light up and they're so proud of themselves. And they say, yeah, yeah I have been feeling more confident speaking up in meetings and giving my opinion or saying no to something. That at the end of the day, that warms my heart. That, that truly does. That type of, I've had that effect on somebody that in 10 years or 15 years when I'm finally got my lake house and my Porsche and I'm retired, they're going to do really, really well. And that's really exciting for me. Well, yeah. And then you can get that call to kind of be their, um, their advisor, right? And, and help them. Your, your retirement can be uh, kind of the, the guidance and the, the advisor uh, for them as they go out and build teams of their own. Yep. Yeah, awesome. Yes, it's really nice to see. Well, thank you so much uh, for your candor and for your time. Uh, I think we uh, we will have a future episode on an equally interesting, maybe not as powerful, but an, an equally interesting conversation next time. Olivia, thank you so much for your time. And thank you for having me. This was wonderful to talk about and, and I'm looking forward to next time. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye. That concludes this episode of the new CISO. Thanks for listening. If you want to check out more episodes, suggest a topic or nominate a guest, please visit exabeam.com forward slash podcast.